Welcome to the Six Hats podcast, where I, Dr. Shami, a lifestyle and nutritional medicine family doctor, will talk about how women strive to find balance each day by juggling their six roles, being a woman, mother, daughter, partner, business owner, and professional. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Six Hats podcast. Today, we have the wonderful Dr. Ivana Matic-Stanson join us today. So she's a Melbourne-based GP who has always believed that there is more to offer her patients than just prescriptions, procedures, and medical interventions. And although primarily necessary, are often not enough to alleviate the suffering of a disease. So once she completed a training in positive psychology in 2013 and lifestyle medicine in 2019, she fully embraced her passion for disease prevention and health enhancement. And her particular area of interest is menopausal health. So Ivana believes menopause is the stage of every woman's life when due to natural hormonal changes and the body signaling those changes, we can accelerate or slow the aging process depending on our lifestyle behavior. And menopause can be a time of positive transformation. So thank you, Ivana, and welcome. Thank you, Shami. Thank you for having me. So Ivana, I'd love to start. Now, I see, like you, many patients who come in their 40s and they're worried about menopause or perimenopause. So I'd love to start around there. You know, how do we know if women are suffering from perimenopause? What can they look out for? Okay. So I first want to make a little statement that we really don't need to suffer from perimenopause, although lots of us do. What I mean by that is that basically lots of us are going through that journey of hormonal transition, which is normal transition that's happening in everybody who is born into a female human body. But due to so many different factors from outside world and our genetic makeup, lots of us start having symptoms that very often we ignore going through this stage of life, which is our 40s or early 50s. And because we are ignoring the body's signals, then we come to the stage of suffering. So how we know are we going through perimenopause is when we suddenly start experiencing a constellation of strange symptoms, which is very, very different in every single human body, because we are born in different bodies, we have different genetic makeup, we have a very different childhood experiences, we live in different environmental situations through our lives and we have very different set of lifestyle habits so that's making that experience individually very different so there is a whole list of the most common symptoms that women can start experiencing in their 40s and 50s but if you just blindly look that list you can actually miss the whole thing because the presentation can be very different in every single woman I don't know, did I confuse you even more? No, it makes sense because I'm, I'm literally thinking about how patients present and you're absolutely right. It could be a cluster of different symptoms and it could re represent so many other things as well. And mm. I don't know if menopause is now very topical or there's a lot of more podcasts are out that people are thinking more about perimenopause. And I loved what you said, you don't have to suffer. You really don't have to suffer. Yeah, But unfortunately, lots of us do suffer. And I think one of the main reasons why so many women in Western world are really suffering from perimenopausal transition is because we live in such a fast-paced world. We just keep running and doing things. 
which is reminding me of the name of your podcast, which is Six Hats. We wear so many hats in our lives and we keep just running and doing things. And then we start ignoring the little whisper of the body, you know, when the body is complaining about something that needs to be changed because the hormones are changing. So we need to change the way we live our lives, not dramatically, but somehow to change some aspects. And because we are so busy doing things, we can easily miss this whisper of the body, which is also reminding me of a beautiful Chinese proverb that says something along the line, if you don't listen to the body whispering, you will hear the body cry. <laughs> so true. That's an awesome proverb. Yeah. Absolutely. So would you say it's something that's happening as a result of our lifestyle? It's constellation of our childhood experiences, of our genetics, of our lifestyle differences, environmental factors, relationships through our lives, all aspects of our lives. Wow. And if we just take a few steps back, so what kind of symptoms is involved when it comes to perimenopause? So again, it can be individually different. The most common ones, you know, that everyone knows about are like hot flushes, but not every woman have hot flushes, you know, but this is the most common one, the a problem with sleep, a difficulty sleeping, waking up through the night, gaining weight, which is also one of the most common concern for majority of women. Mood changes, women who have some history of anxiety or depression could have like a new onset of a new depression or anxiety. Women who never had anxiety or depression can suddenly start experiencing that as well. Our cardiovascular health is more also more at risk when we go through this transition, especially if we have underlying metabolic syndrome, which can be disguised for like first 30 years of our lives and then can suddenly show up. For example, women who had PCOS but were never diagnosed properly can suddenly present and be diagnosed at that stage when they actually transition to perimenopause. Of course, it could be like a change in our libido, some vaginal symptoms, urinary frequencies. I mean, every single organ in our body has receptors for estrogen. So every single organ is actually having some sort of experiences through this transition. And because different women have different sensitivity to this estrogen decline, different organs are actually sending the signals. Gastrointestinal tract, lots of bloating, irregularities in bowel motions, constipation, diarrhea, indigestion. I mean, there is literally no organ that's, that cannot be affected. Wow. Saying all that, it doesn't mean that every single woman suffers from all these things. That's true. Yeah. You've explained really well how the impact of the hormones on the organs and how, you know, there's a natural decline and hence perimenopause appears. But how do we tell if someone's menopausal? Okay, menopausal means like literally the whole part of my life after my last menstrual period in my lifetime. So that's menopause. Perimenopause is like all these years around that last menstrual period that one woman is actually experiencing the symptoms. So how we tell is somebody is menopausal, usually it's just from a good history taking and the blood test is not required to diagnose somebody with menopause. Although I'm always tempted to do the blood test, not only for hormones, uh, I check hormones as well, but I check other parameters that can also be off the balance. Very often thyroid tests can be a little bit off. Iron, vitamin D, Insulin, as I said, it can be a time in our life that we can actually 
discovered that we have metabolic syndrome and that we are more susceptible to develop diabetes or hypertension or suffer from this part of this constellation of symptoms. So the blood test is really like individual. I usually take a very good history, family history, personal history, medications, ops and gyne history, and then we decide together what blood test uh, should be taken. It's not just like the same for everyone. And that makes sense because often people are looking for the answer in a blood test when it's really important. We look at all your symptoms and your story. And, you know, as as you recall from med school, you know, 80% of the diagnosis comes from the story, from the history, rather than the investigation. So that's really, really good points, Ivana, and how it affects other parts of the body. So the thyroid, the metabolic syndrome, all of this to actually really consider. So now I'd love to move on. I know how you love seeing patients with going through perimenopause and menopause and how the importance of lifestyle factors are. Can we explore three key lifestyle factors that you would speak to every patient about? Every part of our lifestyle is important, but if I need to pick up the three top ones, I would definitely say number one is sleep. If we don't have a solid sleep, we can really spend lots of time, effort and money trying to repair other aspects of our life. And the results are not uh, so effective as if we have a good sleep. Because what's happening in our body during the sleep cycle, if we have a solid, proper sleep, is just like magical cleansing, (laughs) natural sort of thing. So sleep is number one. Number two, I would say, is really to review the alcohol consumption. Because whatever was like sort of okay and normal for somebody in their 20s and 30s, needs to be reviewed. I'm not saying every single woman needs to reduce the amount of alcohol, but very often, if we just are mindful of that and review our alcohol consumption and notice that we can actually decrease that if it's applicable to that individual, that's another very, very important aspect. And the third one is movement. It's really, I didn't, I intentionally didn't use the word exercise. I think it's really, we need to pause and ask ourselves, am I moving enough and how I am moving? Because when it comes to exercise and movement, there are like three types of exercises that are recommended for perimenopausal transition. It's aerobic exercise, which is basically walking, running, swimming, biking, whatever sit down with that person. The second one is a strengthening exercise. This is really important for bone and muscle health, which is building the muscles and the strength of the body. And the number third, which I think is actually number one, is a restorative type of exercise, uh, especially for very stressed and very active women, because that's something that's very often overlooked. And that's one type of rest, like the sleep is type of resting the body, the restorative exercise is type of resting. So it's almost like opposite of exercising, but it's very, very important. I'm so glad you talked about restorative movement because I too see many women who are struggling to lose weight and they follow the whole, let me exercise more and eat less, which doesn't work. And when your body is in that chronic stress response, high in the exercise can actually do more harm and help and sort of gain weight. And from the start of this conversation, you mentioned how it's important to slow down and not 
rush a lot and we can get caught up in that whole, well, I need to work out more. I need to burn off the stress. I need to do the cardio, which actually can be harmful to the body. So I love that. And when you're talking about restorative exercises or movement to patients, what kind of feedback do you get? Are they kind of shocked that they have to actually slow down? (laughs) (laughs) Depending, yeah. For lots of women, the busier the woman is, the harder it is for her to actually hear that. Yes. And do it. So true. It's really finding that a sweet spot, that Goldilocks spot, where we need to move to actually release our energy, how much and how much we really need to balance that with good restorative exercise. I think everybody has a signature, individual signature for that person that's uniquely different, unique for that individual. And it's also changing through years. So it's not like always the same. Like every morning when I wake up, I ask myself, where is my Goldilocks spot today? That's such a good tip, just to check in and go, what, to check in, yeah. what does my body and mind need today? So true. And in terms of restorative movements, what are we thinking? Are we thinking sort of uh, Pilates, yoga? Yeah, uh, it could be Pilates, yoga. It could be individual stretching at home. It could be Tai Chi. It could be just some sort of like a dance, but gentle dance. It's really again, what sits well with that particular woman? What sits well with me doesn't sit well with somebody else, you know? Somebody loves yoga, somebody hates yoga, you know? So you don't really force yourself to do something just because it was recommended by somebody. Makes sense. You need to experiment a little bit and find what really your body is enjoying. Ivana, I'd love to go back to sleep because what happens, exactly what you said in perimenopause, sleep is disturbed. So what kind of strategies can women use to help improve their sleep what do you see in your clinic as i said i think sleep is number one because if our sleep is not good we can't do anything else but it's also like uh, what's the chicken what's the egg there that's that question because sometimes our sleep is disturbed because of the hormonal changes but sometimes it's disturbed because we are eating too late or we're eating wrong food or sometimes we're exercising too late in the day sometimes it's because we are just doing our tax return at 10 o'clock in the evening, <laughs> yes. project, you know, or fighting with our kids or our partner or our friends, you know, or, or just watching something too exciting. So again, it comes to actually talking to that individual and trying to find, you know, how, what's their lifestyle uh, in that afternoon period? And, you know, is there any room for change? Fantastic. And so what could be the first step patients take in terms of nourishing their sleep hygiene? I think it's really like uh, something that's well known to most of the people, which is really like avoid high intensity exercises, avoid late meals in the evening, and just create a nice uh, atmosphere in your home that's actually sending signal to your body that it's time to go to bed one hour before you go to bed. Try to disconnect from social media, which I know how hard it is. (laughs) But that's quite important. Yeah, this sort of advice is if we want to generalize. Amazing, amazing. You also mentioned alcohol, which seems really, really topical. And I actually am speaking to so many experts about alcohol in this podcast series from how common it is, the addiction, how we sort of get around it. And what do you see in clinic, Ivana? Are we seeing many women turn to alcohol because of stress? 
or is it environmental? Is it social? What what stories are you hearing? I'm hearing all sorts of stories, again, that are very individually unique for every single woman. But what I think is very specific for Australian culture is that alcohol is celebrated. Mm. It's quite encouraged. It's almost like that peer pressure of drinking, especially this time of the year when there are lots of parties around and celebrations. So it's almost shame if you are not drinking. You're almost excluded if you are not part of the drinking group. Also, uh, lots of women are increasing the consumption of alcohol to actually suit themselves from that stress that they are carrying through the day. So when it's the end of the day and they are maybe preparing the meal or doing whatever they are doing, you know, they're just having that glass or two or three or five of some nice wine and they're not even thinking of that being a problem. But alcohol is very high in carbohydrates and also has alcohol inside. And our hormonal transition just doesn't sit very well. Our liver needs lots of rest, especially if we burden that liver with highly processed food, with other stressors from outside, then that alcohol is just that extra drop in a glass already quite full at that time of our life. And I guess alcohol affects sleep as well. Mm, absolutely. So it's, it's not it's not the best thing to do. But at the same time, a habit is created. And what I'm getting more understanding is it's a habit. It's the thoughts that go in your mind. And it's almost it's sort of having a conscious awareness of what this habit is about. What do you need and what can you do differently? And so when you do speak to women who are trying to give up or cut back on alcohol what strategies do you advise or is that something that they find works for them when i started doing this menopausal lifestyle work coaching and counseling i was first thinking i need to give advice i need to help them to explain yes women want to understand the physiology of human body it's very important because we need to understand what's going on with our bodies to actually even start hearing what somebody has to offer as a possible solution. But where the real key is, I think it's in that coaching way of consultation, coaching way of talking to another individual, which you know that the person know how to change something if they know why. So true. So true. And so almost what I'm hearing is that they come up with the solutions. Very often we struggle to find, to come up with solutions, but if the other person know how to talk to you, then it's just basically digging where is your why, not how. It's your why. Why do I need to change that? Do I really want to change something? And why do I want to change that? Really, really helpful. That's amazing. So we talked about sleep, alcohol, and movement, and any other key areas if we to briefly mention about in terms of lifestyle factors. There are multitude of others. It's uh, the big one is how we manage our stress. Then we can even dig deeper because lots of us are not even aware that we are stressed. Then it's actually to realize that we are stressed to go to the next step, how to manage the stress. And again, I think we come back to the beginning, which what I said at the beginning, which is, I think this is the time in our life that we really need to slow down a little bit and just take a big picture of our lives. And then to take a deep breath, 
to listen to our body and start understanding what changes are needed for me as individual to transition into another stage of my life, which according to all the statistics is another 30 or 40 years. So I really want to have a good quality of life for another 40 years. I loved what you said about stress because obviously I talked lots about stress on this podcast and also to my patients. And I loved what you mentioned. You may not be aware that you're actually stressed. And what, what does that look like when patients discover that? How do you how do you turn the conversation to what stress looks like? I think it's coming back to that coaching. That's why I actually started more working in that coaching online environment rather than in that clinical environment where I'm a clinician wearing that hat, taking the history, checking the blood results, giving advices. Coaching somebody means we are talking together and then we are discovering what's actually going on. And what it looks like, absolutely. Looks like for you as individual, yeah. Absolutely. Amazing, amazing tools, Ivana. This is so helpful for so many women. And what it does, it gives people hope that change can take place and you can feel better. And it doesn't have to be all about medication as well. Absolutely. Because I think, I seriously think our lives can be beautiful after transitioning to another stage of our lives because it brings so many other qualities that Western culture really underestimate, which is the wisdom, uh, the maturity. Very often uh, women who have children, their children are growing up, so they don't need that many responsibilities. They are very often very experienced in their jobs, in their roles at work, so they can start enjoying that period of time. But we very often don't because of that Western culture that's constantly putting that stigma on aging. And lots of women start feeling redundant, invisible, and they lose their self-esteem and then it all turns ugly, but it can actually turn beautiful because we can enjoy and be really successful in that period of our lives, in our private lives, in our professional lives. And I'm very, very much big believer in that. Beautiful, beautiful words, Ivana, and so inspiring as well. Now, before I let you go, where can people find you? I see people in a clinical setting, one-on-one, but also in a group consultation with perimenopausal women in my clinic in Maxwell Medical Group in Braybrook in Melbourne. And I'm also doing some educational program and coaching support online in my uh, drivana.com.au online clinic. Fantastic. Thank you so much for today, Ivana. Thank you, Shami. Remember that this is general advice only. Please see your healthcare professional for more information. So what's your take-home message today? Remember, it's all about progress and not perfection. And are you suffering from stress? Visit the Usawa Learning Hub on usawa.com.au for more resources on how to de-stress, re-energize and reclaim your health. Enjoy the journey.